Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello there. We're going to be looking at the book of Revelation. It is a book that has so much controversy around it and people are scared of it because of all the weird visions and things that John the Apostle saw. But I want to show you that the book of Revelation is wonderful. It is understandable and it is encouraging because God has a plan and he is the one who decides when the end will come. Now, the book of Revelation can be easily split up into sections and it really will help you to understand them. The first five chapters of Revelation are an introduction where John the Apostle has a vision of heaven. Jesus talks to him about seven real life churches and then he describes heaven before he gets into the meat of the book. So that's chapters one to five are an introduction. Chapters 6 to 19 are all about a seven-year period called the Tribulation, and they are described in three sets of seven. Seven seals, and I'll explain what a seal is in a moment, seven trumpets, and seven bowls. And that is chapters 6 to 19, and that is the bulk of the book. It's a seven-year period, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls, got it, locked in, understood, not so difficult. I'll admit that within there, there are times when he goes back and he explains various things in more detail, and there is a lot of detail, and there are a lot of things that, because he's having a heavenly vision, they seem fantastic and amazing to us. But if you just understand that it's a seven-year period and three sets of sevens, it will help you. And then the last two or three chapters, chapter 20, 21, and 22, are about our final, the final judgment, going to heaven forever, the millennium where Jesus reigns for a thousand years, and then judgment and heaven forever. And so that's the close of the book. So there's a start, the first five chapters, an introduction. There's a close, the last three chapters, talking about heaven and judgment day, and in the middle, there's a seven-year period. You say, Greg, why is there a seven-year period? Because Revelation is not a book on its own. Somebody has said that there is nothing new in the book of Revelation, that everything that John said and saw in Revelation had already been said, especially in the book of Daniel, but also in Matthew 24. Jesus spoke about the end times at great length and detail. And in a few other places in the Bible, it describes what the end times will be like. And Revelation doesn't change any of that. In fact, it refers to it. And Revelation can't really be understood without understanding it. Let me just talk quickly about the book of Daniel. Daniel was an amazing believer in God in the Old Testament. About 500 years before Jesus came, he'd been taken into exile in Babylon, and he was serving the king of a foreign land, but he was worshiping God, and God gave him visions, gave him the ability to interpret dreams. The king had a vision of a huge statue with a head made of gold, chest of silver, uh, thighs of bronze, and feet of clay and iron mixed, and he couldn't find the answer. He wanted to kill all of his wise men and magicians because they couldn't even tell him what the dream was. And God gave Daniel the dream and the interpretation and said the head is the Babylonian Empire. And then the chest, the silver chest is the Medo-Persian Empire. And then the bronze thighs are the Greek Empire. And then the clay and iron 
is the Roman Empire. And, and it came to pass. These were all prophecies of what was coming to pass. And then he saw a vision of beasts, different types of animals. And it was those same four kingdoms that were coming. And Daniel was praying about these things. And God kept giving him dreams and visions. And he wrote them down faithfully. And then God gave him a vision of the end times. And it was a period of seven years split into two, three and a half year periods. And these three and a half year periods are described in various ways in Daniel and in Revelation as three and a half years is called time, times and half a time. That's three and a half. And it speaks of that several times. It's spoken of as 1260 days, which is also three and a half years. Um, and it's spoken of as a week. The seven years is spoken of as a week and halfway through the week. So why am I telling you all this? Because I wanted to show you that Revelation links completely fully with Daniel, with Matthew 24. And actually, if you don't know about Daniel and Matthew 24, it's hard to understand Revelation because it speaks of times, time and half a time. It speaks of 1,260 days. It speaks of seven a lot, which is these last seven years. Uh, let me just quickly tell you about the 70 weeks and the last week of seven years. So in Daniel, he was given a, a prophecy. I'm just going to read you a few of the verses. Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. It says, 70 weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city. God was speaking to Daniel, 70 weeks. And what he was saying is 70 times 7, which is the number of years. Then he goes on to explain, to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. God's saying there's going to be 70 times 7, 70 weeks. And then in verse 27, it talks about an antichrist who will come. It says, then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abomination shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation, which is determined, is poured out on the desolate. So he speaks of this last week as being a time when the Antichrist arrives. He confirms a covenant for one week. That's the start of the week. And then halfway through something called the abomination of desolation. We're going to explain all these terms as we go on. But basically the 70 and the last week of the 70 are, are clearly spoken of. And it says that it's going to be 69 weeks until Jesus, the Messiah, comes. And then that last week, there seems to be a break from the 69th week until the last week. There's a long break. And then the last seven years is the end of time. Pretty much all Christian believers, commentators, especially Bible-believing uh, students and, and experts, believe that this is how this should be interpreted. And actually, the, the 69 weeks or 69 times 7 years are exactly right. Uh, 483 years from when a decree was made to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem until Jesus came. And historians and experts have traced this out and they worked out exactly when the time is. So Daniel predicted when Jesus would come and he got it right. And the last seven, 
he says there's going to be this Antichrist who will confirm a covenant. And then you'll know that the start of the seven years has started halfway through. Something called the abomination of desolation will happen. And then at the end, that's the very end to make an end to transgression, sins, reconciliation, everlasting righteousness, seal up vision and prophecy and anoint the most holy. And this idea of seven years and three and a half years is all the way through Daniel. Let me just read you Daniel chapter 12, because it really is helpful. It says, at that time, Michael shall stand up. Michael's the chief angel in heaven, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. This time of trouble is where we get this idea of tribulation for seven years. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. So it's the final judgment day. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Seal the book. So Daniel had this vision, but he was told to seal it. No one was to know when it was to happen. And in fact, Jesus said that in Matthew 24. He says, no one knows the day or the hour when the Son of Man is coming back. Not even the Son, only the Father. Not even the angels, only the Father. So Daniel was told to seal up the words until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. Then I, Daniel, looked and there stood two others, one on this riverbank and the other on that riverbank. And one said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river, how long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? Then I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river when he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it shall be for a time, times and half a time. And when the power of the holy has been completely shattered, all these things shall be finished. Although I heard, I did not understand. Then I said, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Many shall be purified, made white and refined, but the wicked shall do wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. And from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away and the abomination of desolation is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. So that's an extra 30 days. Blessed is he who waits and comes to the 1,335 days. That's an extra 45 days. But you go your way till the end, for you shall rest and will arise. So Daniel is the context. Jesus spoke in Matthew 24, and we're going to look at that when we look at the seven seals, that Jesus predicted the seven seals exactly as Revelation does, the same seals in the same order. But today I want to look at Revelation 4 and 5. We've already looked at the first three chapters, the seven churches, and that's important because the context of church is how we get through the revelation time, the, the tribulation that's going to come. You have to be in a body of believers who are going to be there with you. But in Revelation 4 and 5, John shows us heaven and then he shows us the start of how he got this revelation. And it is just so beautiful and helpful that we are going to be so blessed. Now, I 
won't have time to explain everything in too much detail, but I'm going to just pick out the main points. Revelation 4 verse 1, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold. So from now on, he's telling future. Up until this point, he's been speaking to existing churches, but the the angel said, I'm going to show you what's going to happen in the future. And he was in the Spirit, which means he was trying to interpret with his logical human senses and mind things that were spiritual and eternal and difficult to understand. He says, and behold, there was a throne set in heaven. Can you imagine the throne? Start using your imagination. And one sat on the throne, that's God. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. This is exactly the same description of heaven that we see in Exodus 24, in Ezekiel 1 and various other places of the Bible. Emerald and a a rainbow. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. These are humans, and they represent the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles of the church. It's saying all of those saved from Israel, from the church, are there in heaven, thrones and elders. Verse 5, And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunders, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Isaiah 11 describes the Holy Spirit with seven descriptive words. And in Revelation, it talks about the sevenfold spirit of God. He's got different facets, wisdom, knowledge, the fear of the Lord, all these different parts of him. Verse 6, before the throne, there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. So four living creatures is representing the whole of creation, but they are actually cherubim. You know, throughout the Bible, it speaks of cherubim and modern artists, especially those who send cards and design cards, say that a cherubim is a little fat baby with a bow and arrow shooting at somebody's heart. But listen to the description of a cherubim from this passage. Living creatures full of eyes in front and back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like a calf. The third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. So every time cherubim are spoken of, they actually have four faces. And depending on which one is facing towards you, you may think it's a a bull or an oxen or a calf or an eagle or a lion or a man. But they have all four faces. And they're mentioned many times in the Bible. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. Imagine that on a greeting card. I think it would scare most of us. This this is why I believe this is real and this is from God. You know, if a human was trying to make this up, I don't think they would be this honest about what they saw. Just Just a side point. People have said that the book of Revelation is written in different language to the Gospel of John and the three letters of John. And they say John couldn't have written it. But he was caught up in the Spirit and he was making notes. And if you read the book of Revelation in the original language, the original Greek, it's like shorthand notes. It's like somebody just writing down quickly what they're seeing as it's happening. And in fact, 11 times in the book of Revelation, John is reminded, write this down, write this down, write this down, because I think he was in awe at what he was seeing. 
And some people have said, well, why didn't he just fix it up at the end and make it into nicer language? And I think it's because in the very last chapter, it says, if anyone adds to these words or takes any of the words away from this book, all the curses of this book will come upon them. I think John said, this is a holy book. As I've written it, that's how it's going to be. So let's move on. He says, uh, the four living creatures... um, each had six wings, were full of eyes around, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Let me just say, holy, holy, holy. They never just say holy once. They always say it three times because there are three members of the Trinity. And who was and is and is to come speaks of eternity. God lives in eternity, which is outside of time. He can see the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end. He can move all around time. He is not bound by time. He is in the eternal present. He calls himself, I am, not I will be or I was. I always am, who was and is and is to come. God lives in eternity. And heaven, this vision, John goes into eternity and he speaks of things that will come as if they've already happened. Things that have already happened as if they're happening now. Time is all over the place because he's in eternity and we get a glimpse of that. And that helps us to understand why he speaks the way that he does. Verse 9, Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, And by your will, they exist and were created. Who are they worshipping? They're worshipping the one on the throne. And why? Because he created all things. We worship God because he created all things. There are many other reasons to worship him. But this worship, this amazing worship, extravagant worship, throwing their crowns or their rewards on God, saying, thank you for giving me this crown or this reward, but I give it back to you, Lord. You deserve it. This is worship in heaven. Right, let's move on to chapter 5. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. This is what Daniel sealed up. Do you remember in Daniel, we read in chapter 12, Daniel wrote down and he saw some things, but he sealed them. And they were sealed until the time of the end. No one was allowed to open them. Verse 2, then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Friends, we need to get to this place. John was weeping Because he knew the scroll contained information, God's words that would help him and his people, God's people, to get through this time of trouble. And he said, we need somebody to help us. You and I need God's words. Friends, human wisdom will not do it. Popular opinion will not get us through the time of trouble. God's words given to us by God himself in the whole of his Bible are what we need. And we need somebody to open it, and there is no one worthy. No one is good enough. No one is powerful enough. No one can open and explain God's words to us except 
Jesus. And John was crying, weeping, because he knew we need God's words. I pray that you and I are the same, that we desperately want this book of Revelation and the whole of God's words for us to give us strength. But the elder said, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Jesus is the only one who is able to loose the seals, to show us what is going to happen. And so we're going to get to the start of the seven year period, the seven seals, the seven trumpets and the seven bowls from Revelation 6 to 19. It's all going to happen because Jesus is about to open the seal. So that's what those seals are. They're seals on the scroll that Daniel wrote, but which God actually wrote and which we're going to see. And I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. You say to me, whoa, this is weird picture language. You see, John is trying to put into human words what he's seeing in the spirit realm, and the two realms are not the same. It's like trying to look underwater at something that's out of the water or vice versa. It just doesn't quite look the same because they're different realms. And he says, the lion of Judah is qualified. And so he turns around expecting to see a lion and he sees a slain lamb. And there's seven horns and seven eyes, which are strength and the spirit. The sevenfold spirits of God are, are on Jesus as well. And so we see God the Father, Jesus the Lamb and the Spirit all on the throne together in heaven. Then he came. Jesus, and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Friends, have you prayed recently? You are a saint if you believe in Jesus. Your prayers are in that bowl. And you say, but that's the future. Yes, but in heaven there is no future or past or present. It's just timeless. It's all the same. And your prayers today are affecting heaven. It says that he came with a bowl full of the prayers of you and I. Verse 9, and they sang a new song. Now I want you to see what worship in heaven is like. And this worship that I'm about to describe is worshiping Jesus, just as in the previous chapter they were worshiping the Father. Now they're worshiping Jesus because he deserves worship. And our worship should be like this. They sang a new song, something fresh out of their hearts, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. These are the elders singing. So they are people who were saved from earth and they are singing, You redeemed us from every tribe and people and nation. Our worship should Think of all the nations, but have as many nations in our worship as we can. And you have made us kings and priests to our God, for we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. So there's multitudes of angels worshiping. Every time you and I worship, we may not see or hear the angels, but they are worshiping with us and we are participating in heaven when we worship. And they're saying with a loud voice, extravagant worship, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. 
Hallelujah. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. Friends, that's heaven. And the Bible says that heaven is your home and my home. You know, somebody, the Pharisees asked Jesus, when is the kingdom of God coming or heaven? When is the end and heaven coming? And he said, it doesn't come by observance. You don't look for things and you don't say, see, it's here or see, it's there. He said, the kingdom of heaven is within you. If you're a believer, you have part of this heaven within you. You are already seated with him in heavenly places. Ephesians 2 says, and we can understand from the book of Revelation what is to come, but we can participate in it now. We can weep for God's word to be open to us, and he will always answer that prayer and open his word to us. We can worship with a new song, with a loud voice, extravagant worship to him, every tribe and nation and tongue participating. And we can imagine the angelic beings, because when we do, we're going to see that heaven breaks into earth. Jesus told us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See heaven in the book of Revelation and see how God wants us, especially churches, but also in our daily lives to bring heaven in to earth. So this is the introduction. From now we get into the seals and then the trumpets and then the bowls and then the final little summary at the end. But it starts with a vision of heaven. Are you going to heaven? Friend, you don't have to wait till you die. You can ask God to forgive you right now. And the Bible says his spirit comes in. He makes you forgiven and clean and a new creation. Like heaven is a new creation. He makes you a new creation on the inside. And that power and that spirit that's in heaven is residing in you. And you become an ambassador for heaven here on earth. Pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you lived and you died that you paid for my sins to be forgiven. I believe in you and I ask you to forgive me now, to come into my heart and rule, rule in my life, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, please let us know. We love you. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.